that will be. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, please. 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to zero in on just two verses this afternoon, verses 1 and 2. I want to speak to you on this subject and the title of the message, Obedience, Then Blessing. Obedience, Then Blessing. In verse 1 of chapter 18, the Bible says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. Chapter 18, uh, if you know your Bible, is the story of Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And you know how Elijah set this up with the prophets of Baal. And you have a bullock and I have a bullock and you dress it and you cut it in pieces. You put it on the altar, uh, put wood under it, but don't put any fire under it. And I'll do the same thing, and you call on your God, and we'll see whose God is the one true God, was the idea. And you know how the story goes, how they called and, on Baal, and they danced on the altar, and they cut themselves, and all those things, and, and nothing happened. It was silence, and Elijah mocked him, said, maybe your God's asleep, maybe, maybe he's out of town, who knows, you know. Uh, and then you know how Elijah poured water dug trenches and poured water all over it, and fire from the Lord came down from heaven and consumed all that was there, even the dust of the earth, and God showed himself strong. Chapter 18 is all about that. It's about that confrontation, but what was that confrontation really about? It was really about the end of the three and a half years of drought in the land of Israel. Elijah was God's spokesman. Elijah was the man of God. He spoke on behalf of God, and the people wouldn't listen. And this confrontation on Mount Carmel was designed to show two things. First of all, that the drought that happened and the drought that had been going for three and a half years wasn't just unfortunate coincidences of nature. Rather, it was divine discipline from Jehovah God, the one true and only God. And the people needed to understand that. Secondly, it was designed to show that the rain that was going to come, it hadn't happened yet, but the rain that was going to come and end the drought was not caused by their gods. It wasn't caused uh, by Baal, who was the so-called God of thunder, God of rain, God of fertility. No, rather the rain was also the work of Jehovah, the one true God. And God was going to make his point, and he was going to make it very, very clear. And this chapter in the Carmel incident teaches us some things. Uh, it teaches us that our false gods, the false gods that we have in our lives, of whatever sort they are, whether they're materialistic, whether they're idealistic, or even whether they're human, things that we exalt 
above the Lord. All of those things are totally inadequate to Jehovah God. Whatever we place our trust in, rather than in the true and living God, is always, always, always going to fail. God wants us to simply trust Him and obey Him. To trust Him and obey Him. And so I want to focus in on these two verses and the give our attention to the coming of the word of the Lord to Elijah. God gives Elijah some new direction. And we're going to see how what the Lord was saying to Elijah demanded obedience first, then the blessing would come. And that's where I want us to focus our time. What we need to also understand is that when we get to chapter 18 and verse 1, three years have passed from chapter 17 and verse 1. Go back to chapter 17 and verse 1. The Bible says, In Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So by the time you get over to chapter 18 and verse 1, three and a half years have gone by. And it's time for God to make His point to Israel through His prophet. And there are some principles that we can learn for our lives here in these two verses. And again, I want to preach on obedience, then blessing. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd use your word to give us instruction. Good instruction for our life. And Lord, may we heed it because it's from you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The first principle that I want to draw your attention to here is in verse 1, and it's the principle of one day at a time. One day at a time. The Bible says, notice here, and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. The phrase, and it came to pass. Now we might read that, and we might think of it as something that's happenstance. Something that is by chance, and it came to pass. It just so happened that this thing came about. But we need to be reminded of this truth, that that never happens with God. It's not a random chance statement that's being made here, but rather the sovereign timing of God is being demonstrated here. It came to pass... It was providential. It was in the carrying out of God's purposes with Elijah and Israel. God was working His plan. It came to pass. And then notice that in chapter 17, go back there, that God had been doing this all along with Elijah. In chapter 17 and verse 1, we saw how God told Elijah that he was He needed to tell Ahab, there's not going to be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. And verse 2 then says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, So here's the word of the Lord coming to Elijah. He's going to tell him what to do. Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and uh, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and the bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, after a while, 
that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then verse 8 says, And the word of the Lord came unto him. Now, notice what I'm getting at here is that God had a plan in place for Elijah this whole time. He was working his plan in Elijah's life. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Elijah went and did what God said. That part of it was completed, and the word of the Lord came again to Elijah, and God said, do this, and Elijah went and did that. And just as God had told him, you're going to go to the brook, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there, you're going to drink of the brook. And what happened? The ravens came and brought him bread in the morning and the evening, and he drank of the brook, just as God had said. God had been leading Elijah all along. So when we get to chapter 18 and verse 1, and it came to pass, it's not a statement of random chance. It's the sovereign timing and the will of God being played out. But notice also in chapter 18 and verse 1, the next statement, it came to pass after many days. <coughs> this is not simply after years or just in the third year, but the verse says after many days in the third year. And what is great about this is it actually carries the literal meaning of this at the end of days. At the end of days. In other words, there was a specific time and there was a specific plan that God had in mind as he was working in Elijah's life and through the nation of Israel. God had provisioned for Elijah for a certain number of days at the brook. It was known only to God, but God was carrying out his perfect plan and his perfect will. When we come here at the end of days, at the specific time that God had in mind. Now, God had a specific plan and a specific number of days, even though Elijah couldn't see it exactly and he didn't know exactly what God was doing, Elijah still believed and trusted God. That God's specific plan in his specific time was going to be carried out. So let's make the application. For God's people... No matter how fast or slow the years may seem to pass, God deals with us on a day-by-day, one-day-at-a-time basis. And praise the Lord for that. Because you know what? Tomorrow is a new day for me. So when I mess up today, and I'm right with the Lord after I mess up today, tomorrow is a brand new day that God wants to deal with me. The rest of my life isn't ruined because I make a mistake today. Praise the Lord. God deals with me day by day. Every day of the believer's life is important to God. And so should it be for us. No day for a believer is unimportant to God, regardless of who we are or where we are or how, in, or how small we think we are or insignificant or painful our situation is, it's important to God. God cares for all the details of our life. That's why he said in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. You know what? You've got cares tomorrow that are coming that you don't even know about today. And he says, cast them all upon him, for he careth for you. If God is so concerned... We should be as well. And it means, friend, it means that we need to carefully watch 
how we're walking today. Each day, according to the word of God, is to be redeemed. The time is to be redeemed. We should walk circumspectly. And we should walk wisely. Each day is to be numbered and reckoned as important with opportunities. What does Psalm 90 teach us about the brevity and the shortness of life? And the word of God says, teach teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Each day is to be viewed in light of eternity. Because every day, friend, has eternal ramifications. It takes earthly time to lay up heavenly treasure. Think on that for a second. Do you ever feel like the days of your life sometimes seem like weeks? (laughs) It's just been one day, but it feels like it's been a week. Do you ever feel like weeks or months or years? Do you ever feel like you're going through Something that just seems to go on and on and on and on. When those times come, God wants us to remember that He is still the God of eternity with whom one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. Time doesn't matter to God. What matters is His purpose and His plan in it. How is that to help? Look in Psalm 90. Hold your place here and look in Psalm 90. Look at verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. What a statement. What does that teach us? What does that stress to us? It stresses to us God's unchangeableness. It stresses to us God's faithfulness, God's eternality. As the everlasting God, He is the one who can always be counted on. Listen, friend, it means this. It means that that life, life for us is full of changes. Changes and uncertainties. Time sometimes see like, seems like forever. Conditions change. Times change. People change. Needs change. It's always changing. We see that every day as we go through life. The needs that you had as a child aren't the same needs that you have as a young adult or an adult. The years of your life are passing by. The needs change. The times change. We see that the world change. Governments change. Society changes. Everything is changing. That brings uncertainty. You usually see it for the worse in government and society and so on. But the point is, is that God never changes. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, forever, He is always the same. Where is the only certain thing that we have then? The Lord. Scripture teaches us that God's eternality is fundamental to His immutability, which means He doesn't change. His unchangeableness is the foundation for God's faithfulness and His ability to care for me 
and for you. Psalm 102 says, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Speaking of God. So what does that mean for God's people? How, does it affect, how should that affect the way that we think, the way that we respond, the way that we operate in life when everything is changing? Well, it ought to teach us that God, first of all, is inexhaustible. God never gets tired. He never gets weary. Isaiah chapter 40 says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, uh, fainteth not, neither is weary? God doesn't ever get tired. God doesn't ever faint. And we need to learn to wait on the Lord and find our strength in Him. It also teaches us that God's understanding of things is unsearchable. There's no end to God's understanding. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows every detail of our life. God knows what He is doing. He knows what is best. Regardless of how something appears to us right now, God knows the end from the beginning. He always knows what is best. Listen, the point is we can trust Him even with our tomorrows. God deals with us day by day. So just because, listen, just because I make a mistake today, it doesn't mean my life is over. God's going to deal with me tomorrow. But it also means that even when I don't see the purpose of what is actually going on, I know that God knows the end from the beginning. I know that He's the everlasting God. I know that I can trust Him with tomorrow. Because He deals day by day. The second, go back to our text, is also in verse 1. The second part, the Bible says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Notice here, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. The second principle is this, the principle of guidance based on hearing God's word. The principle of guidance based on hearing God's word. So in the right time, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and he was going to give him some instruction. He was going to tell him what he should do. And here's the principle of guidance based on hearing God's word. Here we see that God finally spoke to Elijah, and what he was going to do was send Elijah back to Israel to confront King Ahab and the people with the truth. The word of the Lord. That occurs in chapter 17, too. Go back to it. Chapter 17, verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying... And now I have some instruction for you. In verse 8, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath. I have more instruction for you. Guidance every step of the way for Elijah by hearing the word of the Lord. You follow that? That phrase... The word of the Lord appears or occurs in the Bible 254 times. And the meaning of it is simply this. It is God's revelation of Himself to mankind. To bring people to Himself. To provide guidance for their lives. Listen, that we so desperately need. The word of the Lord is never wrong. 
The Word of the Lord gives guidance for our life. And each time that we see that phrase, it ought to remind us of our own need to go to the Word of God for guidance in life. For the principles and the promises of Scripture that are meant to give direction to my way according to God's perfect will. What was the Lord's instruction to Elijah? He says, The word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab. So here's the direction or the instruction for Elijah from the word of the Lord. Go show yourself to Ahab. Now, <clears throat> that may seem insignificant if we just read it on the surface. But in chapter 17, in verse 3, the word of the Lord told Elijah to hide yourself from Ahab. Now, in chapter 18, the word of the Lord is the command to show yourself to Ahab. And the point that I want to make with this is very simple. Elijah was willing to do the one as much as he was willing to do the other. In other words, whatever it was that God said to do, he was willing to do it. Hide yourself from Ahab. Go show yourself to Ahab. Either one he was willing to do. Neither one was naturally easy to do. Both of those required faith in order for him to obey. How would Elijah know what to do or when to move or how to do it if he wasn't listening for the Lord? The same principle is true, listen, in, with, with God's word for us. How would we know where to go, what to do, or how to do it in life if we weren't listening to the Word of God? We don't know how to navigate life. We think we do. We've got ideas and we've got plans and we've got things that we think are going to bring fulfillment to our life. But we don't know how to navigate life or how to be in obedience to the Lord. We will never know that if we are neglecting this book. You know, people say this. I'm looking to God for some answers. I want to know the Lord's will. And I'm just crying out to God, show me your will. And actually what they're doing is they're actually looking for a feeling. They're looking for some feeling inside. Maybe it's that I got this thing that I want to do. And I just want this feeling that gives me permission that it's okay to do. And so I'm just crying out to God, show me your will. When in reality, the Word of God is right there telling us exactly what to do. Rather than obeying what's already there, we keep on looking for some feeling. We're never going to find navigation for life if we neglect what's already there in the Word. The Bible says, Psalm 119.105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's pretty clear what that means. It shines light on the path so that I don't stumble over the potholes 
in the Alaska road system. <laughs> Good thing we have headlights <laughs> on the icy roads out there. The potholes are deep. Found myself yesterday driving to Delta. It was a little bit sketch, but I was really glad that I could see ahead of me to navigate so you don't fall into the potholes or run off the road. It's a, the Word of God is a, a, a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path to show us where the road is. Psalm 43, verse 3, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. The Word of God in it, contained in it, are all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know what? A lot of times we pray for things that we don't have to pray about because it's already right there. Just listen to it. Obey it because it's right there. And it's going to give you good direction for your life. The third principle, if you go back to our text, is the, the principle of obedience first. I said the title of the message was Obedience, Then Blessing. And I want you to notice this because the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab. And the very next sentence is, And I will send rain upon the earth. What was the thing that they wanted the most and they needed the most? They needed rain. It had been three and a half years of drought. There was a lot of, a lot of problems because of three and a half years of absolutely no rain. It affects your crops. It affects your cattle. It affects your way of life, your living, everything. There was some problems. And notice, look, verse 2, And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. That was the result of no rain. And God said, to, to Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain. What was needed here before the blessing of rain came? What was needed was Elijah to obey the word of the Lord. Obedience first, then the blessing. Now, show yourself unto Ahab, and I will send rain. Let's try to grasp the full significance of that. The very next words in verse 2 was that there was a sore famine, a severe famine in Samaria. Those words can kind of help us grasp the faith of Elijah and help us truly appreciate what Elijah was facing here. Because it's not just as simple as, Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab and I'm going to send some rain. Okay. I mean, that's how the response needs to be. But let's just think about this for a second. For more than three years, three and a half years, due to Elijah's words and Elijah's prayer and Elijah's prophecy before Ahab and all of his court, due to Elijah, there would be no rain. So Ahab is the most powerful man there is in the world. 
at this point in time. Elijah stands before him and he says, there's not going to be any rain these years except according to my word. As a result of that and no rain, there was a severe famine. There was pain. There was misery. There was death. There was hunger. There was starvation that came with those words and with that prophecy. The creation of pain and anguish and starvation and hunger and death and misery also then brought about anger and hate and feelings of revenge towards Elijah. It was all aimed at him, especially by King Ahab, because of what he had done. In that regard, I want you to note Elijah's title that was given to him. Look down to verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Ahab was blaming it on Elijah. And now the Lord, with all of this that's happened in the severe famine, now the Lord is saying to Elijah, Go stand in front of Ahab. Go show yourself to him. Not only that, for more than three years, Ahab had persistently been searching for Elijah to kill him, but to no avail. Look at verse 10 of chapter 18. As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom, whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And, and when they said, He is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. Listen, Ahab was searching everywhere for Elijah because he wanted to kill him. And God said, go show yourself to Ahab. So you following this? Grabbing this just a little bit? It wasn't just as simple as, go show yourself to Ahab. And Elijah like, okay. No, there was a measure of faith that had to be exercised in order for Elijah to be obedient to the word of the Lord. But there was obedience that was required before the blessing would come. There's a story of a Baptist preacher that illustrates this truth of what it means to trust the Lord in difficult circumstances like Elijah faced. There was a preacher who excelled all of his peers. And for leisure and relaxation, he was a bird watcher. And he liked to go up into the mountains to see some of the rarest kinds of birds. And one afternoon, he came across a very rare bird that flew over the ledge of a high cliff and it landed on a small ledge down below. Maybe some of you have heard this illustration before. The preacher excitedly peered over the ledge to see if he could find that rare bird, but to no avail. So he stretched out a little farther, and a little farther, and a little farther, until he was so far that he finally slipped over the edge. And as he fell over the edge, he was able to grab a shrub that grew out of the rock, and he was holding on for dear life. His arms were starting to tire, but being a man of faith, he thought proudly, someone will surely be on top to help me. And so he yelled, hey, anybody up there? I need help. 
Hey, somebody up there, help me. Well, then a deep voice was heard, but it was actually the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said, I'm here. Do you have faith? Oh, yes, I have faith, answered the preacher. The voice came back to him, then let go, and I'll take care of you. Just rest in my care. For a moment, there was nothing but silence. Then the preacher said, is there anybody else up there? Listen, the things that the Lord asks of us are not always easy things. Sometimes the Lord asks of us to just let go. Sometimes it's because of trial, difficult circumstance in our life. And as the Word of God tells us to do, we ought to be able to trust Him and to move out in faith. But how do we act? How do we respond? Oftentimes we look around for other solutions. Oftentimes we'll try to dig into our bag of tricks to come up with our own strategies to hold on to what we want. Maybe it's some manipulation some way to escape, some way to withdraw, something other than just being obedient to the Lord. And what we need to do is just demonstrate faith and trust in God's character because He's God. God told Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. That was God's command. And then I will send the rain upon the earth. That was God's promise. But obedience to that command needed to happen first. And so often that is the case in our lives, friend. So often that is the case. God says, I'll do this, but you got to prove that you believe it. And the proof that you believe it is that you're going to obey Just obey, and God will bring the blessing. God does that all the time in our lives. Listen, I told you my testimony before about having to come to a place where I wanted nothing but God. I was willing to lay it all down and simply obey the Lord and give it up because I needed Him. But you know what? That was the gateway That was the gateway that opened the door for the blessing of God. But so often we just hold on, and we hold on, and we hold on, and we're not going to obey what's right there in front of us because that means letting go of this. Does that make sense? Well, we're never going to find the blessing. When God told the priests, I'm I'm going to open up the waters of the Jordan River, You're going to walk across on dry land. But it didn't happen until they obeyed first. It didn't happen until they took the step of faith and the soles of their feet touched the water. you got to go do the hard thing in obedience to find the gateway to blessing. Obey first, then the blessing. 
Listen, the rain didn't come. Even after Elijah obeyed the Lord and he went and showed himself to Ahab, the rain still didn't come until the end of chapter 18. Look at verse 44. So all of the things that happened on Mount Carmel happened first. Even after Elijah obeyed the Lord, in verse 44, and it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, the earth ar- Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. God fulfilled his promise. But before the promise came, there had to be obedience on the part of Elijah. Elijah had to have his eyes on the Lord. He had to live in light of the faithfulness and the promise of God. God gave him a promise first, but he had to obey in order to see the promise. So here's some application questions as we close. Number one, are we living one day at a time, resting and waiting on the Lord, drawing on His wisdom and His strength, waiting on His wise and perfect timing? Or are we trying to find ways to get through and get out of the problems or the trials that we face in life? Number two, are we listening daily to God in the Scriptures? And are we taking time to learn God's principles? And not just taking time to learn principles out of God's Word, but are we using them to direct our path and to build our faith and to grow our character, to keep us from running ahead of the Lord with our own understanding. Listen, there was, there was a time, it's kind of an interesting thought, but over the years of being taught the Word of God, over the years of learning the Word of God myself, many times, many times, there's opportunities to put to practice principles in God's Word. Okay, that's why we have them, right? To actually use them and put them to practice, Right? And there was a time when there was certain things going on uh, in my life, and, and I actually took them to my pastor. And when he found out about it, he's like, why didn't you bring this to me? Why didn't you come to me with this? And I was kind of dumbfounded for a second there, because I was like, wait a second. Why, why did I need to do that? Because, listen... You taught me from the Word of God what I should do here. And the things I've learned from the Word of God, I put to practice. I knew what to do. And it worked. So my point is, not just learning principles. Listen, I can speak all day long. Pastor Humphrey can teach all day long. And you can learn the principle, but then you got to put it to practice. Use it, and it'll guide your life. Amen. And it'll keep you from running off the road. Amen. The third thought, 
is do we have the faith and the courage to act and obey when it's laid out there for us in God's Word? Or are we looking for ways to have to avoid doing the hard thing and stepping out in faith and trusting the Lord? Do we have conviction and faith and courage to act and obey and trust that God's going to bring the blessing later on? Because He's always faithful. What's going on in your life that needs a decision of faith? But you're afraid. You're afraid because of the possible consequences or what it might mean. I think I could think of many applications to that, actually. Maybe God calling a man to preach. It's going to require a step of faith, but I'm afraid to step out and act because of what that might mean or what it's going to require. I can think of applications where God wants something out of your life. And the principles are there. But it's going to mean that you've got to act in faith and obey. But I'm afraid to because it means I'm going to lose this. We can make all kinds of applications. I think the Spirit of God can make better ones in your life. What's going on that needs a decision of faith, but you're afraid to because of what it might mean? Well, the principle is, so often God requires obedience first, but then he's going to bring the blessing. We can trust that. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word again. Lord, thank you for its instruction. Lord, help us to trust you to be willing to just lay it all there on the altar, to die to self, to be willing to obey the word of God, even when we don't really feel like it or want to, or we're afraid to because of what it might mean. We can trust that your way is better. Help us to come to that place of surrender that all of our ambitions and all of our plans and all of our ideas, all the things that we hold so tightly to, Lord, those things would be yielded up to you, that if you required it or asked of it, we would gladly lay it down. And Elijah was willing to do one way or the other, whether you said to hide, whether you said to show. It was your will that he was the most concerned about. And Lord, help us to come to the place where, where we're nothing. We're nothing. That way we can be used of you for anything. Lord, help us to live by conviction that I'm going to be obedient. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. In Jesus' name, amen.